0: Slate's Negotiation Academy is brought to you by FedEx. FedEx does more than shipping. They offer businesses a range of valuable solutions. Explore the solutions at FedEx.com solutions that matter.
1: Hi, I'm Jill Barshay,
2: And I'm Seth Stevenson. Welcome to Episode 2 of Slate's Negotiation Academy. As you may recall, in Episode 1, we talked about who should make the opening bid.
1: Now we're going to talk about the things you should do before anyone says any numbers at all, setting your limits and schmoozing.
2: So before you even get to the negotiating table, there are a couple of numbers you want to think about. The first one is your opening bid. We talked about this in episode one, how you're going to calculate it and how you're going to use it. It's going to force you to do some research and to put yourself in the shoes of your opponent. Think about where his limits are. The other number you want to think about is your own limit. How much are you comfortable with? How much can you afford to spend? At what point are you going to have to get up and walk away from the table?
1: Now, you want to write this walkaway number down. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your purse. Our negotiation professor said the biggest mistake that amateur negotiators make is they blow straight past their limits. He said it's something called agreement bias, that in the middle of the negotiation, you're so excited about the trade-offs and the concessions, you just want to reach an agreement at the end. But there's no point in reaching an agreement if it's bad for you and you've spent more than you wanted to. Now, Seth, how do you go about calculating your walkaway price?
2: So there's this thing that negotiation nerds call BATNA, your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. That's your fallback. Let's say you can't come to a deal at the table and you walk away. What are you left with? Think about that and think honestly about it. And that's going to help you calculate what you're comfortable with.
1: As kind of a thought experiment, say you're negotiating to hold a friend's birthday party at a bar. And so you think about, what's my alternative? Ugh, I'll have to hold it at my cramped apartment. I'll have to clean up afterwards. What's it worth to you to avoid that?
2: The other thing you need to just sit down and think about is, what can you honestly afford to spend on something? And when you go home after the negotiation's over and you have to talk to your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend, what are you going to feel comfortable telling them, I spent this much or I sold it for that much?
1: This walk-away price is very personal. It's very much about your own budget and your own needs and your own alternatives. And my walk-away number might be completely different than your walk-away number for the very same product.
2: And remember, you want to calculate that in a calm moment of repose, not in the heat of the battle. Now, the other thing to do, it turns out it's very important to schmooze in the midst of a negotiation. This is going to create good vibes between you and your negotiating opponent, or you might even want to think about them as your negotiating partner. This is something that our Columbia Business School professor Aaron Wallen talked about
0: two people in suits staring at each other very coldly. Uh, that's the that's the idea that people have in their heads. And it, it, it ought not to be like that. That's often going to be uh, the enemy. I mean, think about when you come up with your best ideas. Is it under stress and pressure? Or is it under a situation where there's some, some encouragement to do that, some opportunity to, to think together, to work together, to come up with a solution that Works for both of you, and that's going to make you both happy and want to work with the, one another again. The schmoozing idea is, is great because it builds the kind of, the kind of trust that's necessary for underlying interests to, to be shared. You can't feel comfortable doing that without having some amount of trust in your partner. Getting to know one another, making small talk, making eye contact, the interpersonal kind of stuff is, is really going to open up that, that door for you.
1: So concretely, the things you want to do are start with eye contact, smile shake hands. Have a positive attitude. And it turns out eye contact is a lot trickier than you might think it is. You might want to practice it in front of a mirror before you go into an important negotiation. And don't start negotiating until you feel warm and fuzzy. We had these mock negotiations every week in our class. And number one, where I was getting no eye contact, there was no warm and fuzzy feelings. And the whole negotiation went downhill. I got a terrible price at the end. And I realized I should have kept you know, being positive and warm and ask some questions of this other person until I got the rapport and then start the negotiation.
2: Right. Don't don't be afraid to get schmoozy at the table before you really get down to brass tacks. Don't be afraid to ask about the how their weekend went or how's their family, that kind of thing.
1: Now, the second reason you want to schmooze is actually even more important, and that is to gather information. During the course of the negotiation, and we're going to talk about this in future podcast episodes, we're going to explain how to get concessions and do trade-offs and brainstorm creative solutions and persuade the other side. And Professor Wallen says this all starts with schmoozing.
0: The key is you can't do any of this without understanding what your partner's underlying interests are and what they really want. They may tell you they need something, but that doesn't tell you why they need it. And it's possible that you can satisfy the why by giving them a very different what. You want to figure out why they want it. What are they really after?
2: There was this fable we learned in our negotiating class about these two sisters who are fighting over a single lemon. They can't decide how to divide it, and they end up just cutting the lemon in half and each taking a half, but neither of them is quite happy with it because it turns out one just wanted the lemon for the juice, and the other one just wanted the lemon for the rind.
1: What would you want to do with a lemon rind?
2: Uh, Maybe she was making cocktails. It's not clear. But you seem displeased with this example, so let's do something a little bit more real world. So let's say we're in a smoky cafe. And you and I are sitting across a little table from each other and we're negotiating.
1: Seth, I really want to sell you this hand carved Malaysian dining room table for $2,000. $2,000?
2: That's a lot of money. Well, let me ask you this, Jill. Uh, what are you going to do with that money when you get it?
1: That's funny that you ask, but I've promised my husband a romantic beach vacation and I need the $2,000 to pay for the vacation.
2: Well that's interesting information. See I actually have a vacation house on the Florida Gulf Coast that's sitting empty. What about if I gave you a week in that vacation house instead of the $2,000? Would that suit your needs?
1: Hmm. How about two weeks?
2: I think maybe we can do business.
1: Now, sometimes when you're gathering information, it's not just about underlying interest. It also can be to learn peripheral things that will just help you during the negotiation, maybe help you to get a better price. So let's imagine we are in Tompkins Square Park in the East Village of New York City, and I am trying to buy a really spiffy tandem bicycle from Seth.
2: Check out this tandem bicycle i got here, Joe. It's pretty rad, don't you think?
1: Yeah, that's really interesting use of uh, purple all over there. (laughs)
2: So, uh, how much are you going to offer me for my purple tandem bicycle?
1: Well, I was just kind of looking at it a bit. You know, I'm kind of curious. Um, Hmm. Why are you interested in selling that bicycle now?
2: Uh, Well, you know, it's funny you should ask that, Jill. Uh, The thing is, I've got a date this coming weekend with this girl, and I was thinking we might take a romantic tandem bike ride through Central Park. So, I would love to close this deal right now because we're here together and you can see the bike and we can do our transaction, but I wonder if I might hold on to the bike for just a few more days before I actually give it to you.
1: Hey, time out a second. That is really interesting information. Seth doesn't know this, but I don't start the lease on my new apartment for a week from now and I don't really have any place to put this tandem bicycle and it's a huge help for me not to take possession of it for a week, but I might not reveal that to Seth right away. Let's go back to the negotiation. Hmm, Seth, that's a shame that I can't have the bike right away. I would, you know, I was really hoping I could take a romantic tandem bike ride in Central Park myself. I'm wondering if I, you know, delay possession of the bike for a week, if you could do something for me on the price.
2: I guess if I can hold on to the bike through the weekend, I could knock, say, 50 bucks off the price.
1: Hmm, that sounds pretty reasonable.
2: No, Jill, ask for more. Always demand more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) 50 bucks seemed kind of fair to me, especially since I wasn't making a real concession. But the point here is you can see how extracting information can give you a leg up in other parts of the negotiation. Now, schmoozing can be a little bit Difficult sometimes. So we thought we would just spoon feed you some concrete schmoozing questions to help you out. So when you first meet someone and you're trying to buy or sell something, ask them, why are you interested in this house? Why are you interested in this bike?
2: Why are you selling right now? Is there a reason? Is there some sort of time pressure on you?
1: When someone mentions an opening bid and their price, you could say, well, why are you suggesting that price? What are you basing that price on?
2: Or are you working on a commission? Is there a discount we can get if we buy in bulk? And what will you do if we don't reach an agreement? Let's say we can't come to an agreement today. What are you going to do?
1: Yeah, it's really important to find out what your opponent's alternative is, because we're going to talk about attacking that in future episodes.
2: That's his now, his best alternative to a negotiated agreement.
1: One technique, if you're not getting any information back from your opponent, is to reveal a little something personal about yourself. There's just this human... Instinct to reciprocate. So you can just talk about where you went shopping, where you're from, anything. And usually people will be more forthcoming once they feel that you're a little forthcoming. But don't reveal too much information about yourself. There's two things in particular you should not tell your opponent your walk away price, your upper limit, and what your alternative is if you don't come to a negotiated agreement. Those are two key pieces of information that if you reveal them, you might have the What's the opposite of the upper hand, the lower hand?
2: <laughs> the underhand. The
1: underhand.
2: And remember, you can schmooze any time during the negotiation. You're always on safe ground when you're asking questions. You're not going to hurt yourself, and you may extract some valuable information. During our mock negotiations in our business school class, whenever I was put on the spot or sort of knocked back by something my opponent did, I would say, wait, well, let me ask you this. And then I would quickly ad lib a question in my head to ask them because I knew I was safe when I was asking questions and I knew I might even find out something valuable. It just sort of knocks the tennis ball back into the other guy's court so that he has to react to you.
1: So that's it for Episode 2. In Episode 3, we'll talk about persuasive techniques to use during the negotiation.
2: You can send us feedback and questions at our email address, podcasts, that's with an S, at slate.com.
1: You'll find this in every past episode of the Negotiation Academy at slate.com slash negotiation. Our executive producer is Andy Bowers. Our producer is Mark Phillips. And I'm Jill Barche.
2: And I'm Seth Stevenson. Happy haggling. We'll talk to you next episode.